0: Welcome to Nefarious New York. I'm Allison.
1: And I'm Meredith.
0: And That's we... That's right. I'm Meredith. She's Meredith. And I jumped in and did it first this time. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be part two of Sante Kimes' okay. case. And mm-hmm. the last one was just kind of set in the scene for the kind of person she is. So just, right. I don't know. So, Can you just summarize? Yeah, we're going to
1: summarize. Um, And this case, for some odd reason, I'm just really enjoying this one. I don't know why, but I am. It's very interesting. So just to summarize, so far, Sante is a scammer and con artist, to say the least, mm-hmm. right? She has an unnaturally close relationship with Kenny, her son. Definitely unnatural. And if you look at some of the pictures that I had a chance to look at, the way that, even the way she holds his hand and his arm, it like it's like the way you, a couple would do it. Right. It's, it's strange. So they seem to have a very codependent relationship to say the least right so far two people have mysteriously disappeared that were associated with sante
0: right one in costa rica and one in the bahamas i think were the two yes right okay right i don't know you tell me you did the research i did (laughs) doesn't mean i remember anything that's why i write it down i yo all
1: right so let's now get to another player in the game here um irene silverman so on July 4th, 1998, Irene Silverman, 82 years old, was having a dinner party. So Irene Silverman grew up in poverty in New York City. Her mother was a seamstress, and Irene had to work for everything she had. And in her younger years, she worked as one of the dancers in the Radio City Music Hall's Corp de Ballet, which is the is a rockette, right? Right, the
0: rockettes, yes.
1: Okay. She married a very wealthy man, a multimillionaire mortgage broker, Sam Silverman. And uh, during their marriage, they had homes in Paris, Athens, Honolulu, and Manhattan. So very well off. When Sam passed away in 1980, she stayed mostly in her $7 million townhouse in New York City. And she carved out a few luxury apartments in the townhouse and took in renters if you could afford the $6,000 a month. So this luxury townhouse is now going to play a role in this story.
0: Yes. So the night of the dinner party, we said, was July 4th. So it's a holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. She had a few friends over. That was just two people. So she had two women over for dinner. And because, you know, she's an older woman renting out rooms in her house, she had set up security cameras. Right. And they must have been looking at the cameras. I don't know how she had it displayed. They must have been looking at the screens or whatever. And they saw the newest tenant. Who had been there for about three weeks. And every time he walked by the security cameras, he would like cover his face mm. or turn his head. Okay. And she was kind of explaining to them that he's done that every time. And when That's he weird. has visitors, so he'll have like an older woman will come. Maybe or... he's shy. Maybe. He doesn't like being on camera. Mm-hmm. So any guests that he ever had did the same thing. Okay. So this Maybe they're all shy. <laughs> Maybe they're all shy. So this tenant gave his name as Manny Guerin. He didn't give any references, but he did give her $6,000 in cash for the first month. So she let him move in. And he was supposed to give her the references the next day and he just never did. So okay. she really didn't have any information on this guy.
1: Which to me would freak me out, especially because it's a townhome and she's carving out rooms. It's not like it's a completely separate rental, No, you know, down the street and he's there. The, mm-hmm. I don't know, that would freak me out. But He's in her home. He's in her home. Right. Um, and you better give me a boatload of references.
0: Well, she was, you know, not feeling too confident in renting this guy the place. And she did ask him to move out, I think after only maybe a week, but he refused to. So to try to push him out, she shut off the phone services to his apartment and she actually did go to an attorney to start eviction. The eviction process.
1: Right. Which is not an easy process.
0: He also was not letting Irene's cleaning crew into his apartment to clean. Like, she had a whole staff. Right. So, that was a little alarming to her, too. Yeah, But she had no way to get him out. You can't just... I'd go right to the police. If
1: Woody had gone straight to the police, this never would have happened.
0: Another movie reference? Yeah, Woody Woodpecker. Okay. Back to the night of July 4th, or like... Technically, it's the early morning hours of July 5th. Irene's friends call it a night. They don't want to leave her. They're feeling a little hesitant, but they do leave her around 1230 a.m. So I guess, you know, Irene goes off to sleep, whatever. Hours later at 11 a.m., Irene's housekeeper. So she had a bunch, but this weekend, because it was a holiday weekend, Mm -hmm. she only had one staff there. Okay. So this particular housekeeper did see her in her dressing gown and slippers outside of her office. Now, Irene's office was the room next door to Manny's apartment. Okay. So Irene then gave her some errands to run, the housekeeper. You know, walk the dog and go run some little errands. And then when the housekeeper came back late in the afternoon, she couldn't find Irene anywhere. She also noticed that the money that's usually in Irene's closet was missing. I guess she kept a lot of cash in there. So she called a friend of Irene's, explained what was going on, and then that friend called the police. So this is late afternoon. Now into the evening, the police do show up and they search the entire townhouse. They don't find really anything exciting. And by the following day, so now we're on July 6th, they really start to investigate and interview people. Like they're right. starting to ramp it up now. Yeah,
1: well, because now she's she's still not turning
0: up. And she's, what, what did we say, 82 82? years old? Like yeah. she's not running away. Correct. Now Manny was was gone at this point so Mm -hmm. they're interviewing people and he's the one that they cannot find Mm.
1: very ironic
0: so the police do a name check on him and they figure out that that name was a fake really okay so he is looking quite a bit suspicious at this point i would say so so a day or so later fart in the wind so a day or so later sante and her son kenny were arrested in New York City. At this point, Sante is 64 and Kenny is 23. And they're arrested in New York City. Basically, they were wanted for stealing a car in Utah. Okay. And at this point, now they're doing a search of the car and they're kind of piecing together that Kenny Kimes is Manny. Wow. Okay. They're finding like say, identification and stuff right. in the car.
1: I was trying to figure out in my head, how okay. is Irene connected to them?
0: Right. But, okay. So, that's creepy. So, not to make it more confusing, I'm leaving a lot of stuff out because Mm -hmm. there's just too much. But so the authorities have them in custody for this stolen car in Utah. Utah, okay. They're also realizing now that the FBI is looking for them for, so Florida, they're wanted for check fraud and car theft. Nevada, they're wanted for arson and insurance fraud. In LA, they're wanted for the murder of David Kasdin. And in the Bahamas, they're wanted for the disappearance of that banker who was last seen having dinner with Sante. We discussed him before. Right. I just want to focus a little on the David Kasdan to explain that. Because
1: we haven't heard his name before.
0: Right. So let's explain that. So he's known Sante since the 70s. He was an insurance claims adjuster, which she has.
1: She's got a lot of history with these insurance people. She does. Yeah. In
0: 1992, Sante and Kenneth her husband, were facing that $150,000 settlement against them. And it was from the Mexican housekeepers. Right. The slavery. The slavery. Right. So in her usual scamming ways, Sante asked David, mm-hmm. who was her friend, potentially her lover. She asked him if was she gonna could s- put... Uh,
1: there's got to be some bound chicka bound bound mm-hmm. going on here.
0: She asked him if he could put her house in his name to protect it from being seized to satisfy the settlement. Yeah. And he says, sure.
1: Yeah. That's totally normal. Oh, there's definitely some bam, chicka, bam, bam going on because I'm not just going to do... You're my friend, but I'd be like, fuck off if it's you asked such me a- to do that.
0: So he says, okay. Now, after the lawsuit threat is over and the settlement is done, he asks her, you know, put this house back in your name. Like, it's not his house, so he doesn't yeah. want to be responsible for anything. He thinks she's done that. So he goes right. on with his life. And in 1998... So this is six years after she put the house in his name. That long? He gets a letter from the bank asking him to pay the $280,000 mortgage. I'd be pissed. That Sante took out on the property. You know, of course, she forged his name to take it out and she just took the money and left him with the bill. Do you have to go in person to do these types of things? Because you can't go as, as
1: a woman and sign David's name. I don't.
0: I've never had to go and do that. I've had to get my signature notarized and then the forms get submitted. Right. So I, I, I don't, don't think. I mean,
1: I, I'm st- it's kind of, you know what I think of? I think of like ghost Rita Miller, you know, she's like, oh, I signed the wrong name. You know, like, how Oh, oh whoopie. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg. Know, yeah. yeah. Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. when you said that. But all right. Well, okay. I, it's just, it boggles my mind because I went through hell to get a mortgage. Right. And, Well, now
0: you got to jump through a lot of hoops.
1: Everything, every I had to be dotted, every T had to
0: be crossed. And then when you see that one part where your name is spelled wrong and you're like, fucking whore, I got to do this whole stupid thing again. (laughs) So after she gets this money out under David's name and sticks him with that bill, she then transfers the house to this guy that she had picked up in a homeless shelter.
1: She is one crafty woman.
0: So, she, right. So they, they kind of prey on, you know, like the Mexican housekeepers. Oh, they prey on people they can manipulate easily. Right. So they have this homeless guy and they probably offer him right. who knows what. Right. But then
1: you have it's it's kind of boggling to me because you have. OK, they're preying on, let's say, the homeless and these other things. Right. But then they prey upon these people that are not dumb people like an insurance insurance claim. Like they sh- these people that are in that industry should know better.
0: And right. they don't. She must be pretty I don't know. good at her manipulations. Obviously. So, she's now transferred the house from David to this homeless guy. Right. Now, it's said that she kept this homeless guy prisoner much like she did with the Mexican housekeepers. Right. So she kind of forced him to now take out a $500,000 fire insurance policy on the house. Oh god. Here come the fires. So then on January 31st, 1998 at 1119 p.m. Wait, don't tell me. Something's on fire. The house. (laughs) This house is on fire. Sorry. So the house is burnt to the ground and she wants to collect this insurance money.
1: And this is not the first fire. Correct. And let me guess. She didn't start the fire.
0: Well, now this homeless guy finally gets away from her clutches and he goes to LA and tells the police what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he tells them that Sante and Kenny set the fire. So okay, I have to say, and I'm not sure if it was covered much in the first episode, but most everybody she is in cahoots with at some point becomes an informant. Like she wasn't yeah. smart in longevity of manipulation. Right. It's like you acute know, why? manipulation, get what she wants and then
1: because she's greedy and she doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. She just keeps going. Like it doesn't seem like anything is enough. It's like on to the next scam, on to the next scam and
0: and I don't have information that they're like living above their means or like throwing these crazy parties like I don't know where all this money is going. Right.
1: Well, they rented the townhouse the the room, right, for 6000, right. you know. I don't know.
0: Let's see. Can you give us a little summary to keep us on track here?
1: All right. So I'm going to summarize now just for people like myself who need to make sense of all of this stuff. So Sante and Kenny transfer their home to David to avoid paying a lawsuit. Right. David never gets off the deed, even though he is told that he's off the deed. So Sante takes out a mortgage on the house and David is stuck now paying it because he is still quote unquote the owner right right then they basically kidnap a homeless guy and transfer the house from david now to the homeless guy mm-hmm. they take out a fire insurance policy in this homeless guy's name and they burn the place down to collect that insurance money right okay, okay so, so that's, that's where, where
0: we're, we're at, at. <laughs> jinx okay so now we're going to go back to david so david has this friend leslie and she's a private investigator you know, he's kind of confiding in her what's been going on. So she does some digging and she finds some documents with David's forged signature on them that are notarized by one of Sante's friends. And that friend ends up becoming an informant. (laughs) Sante starts calling David and at one point says, do not make a fuss about the notary. You could get hurt. So she's threatening him, verbally threatening him. And now Sante and Kenny start to actually physically stalk David because they kind of are getting the feeling that... Maybe she's not putting out anymore, and he's getting pissed, and then he's going to turn on her. Well, and I think he's now
1: figured out that she's a complete con artist, or what do they call them? Grizzle. Grifter? Grifter? Grizzle. <laughs> Grizzle? Oh, no, wait. That's my niece's nickname. Grizzle. Um, Grifter.
0: Uh, Grifter, yes. All right. So they're using the names Sandy and Manny, and they rent two rooms in a mansion 16 miles from where David lives. And so- this- So that's Irene's- House. No, no, this is a different. Oh, this,
1: I'm sorry. This is a different house. We're in and, L.A. And he still uses the name Manny.
0: Mm-hmm. Jerk. And she went back to Sandy. OK. She's going back to her roots. So Sante and Kenny slept in one room and they rented the other room. Ill. For the homeless guy who they said was their deaf valet. And they put him. What? In. They they sorry. told the people. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> so the woman who rented the rooms to them, she was later said she was afraid of them. And she knew that they had tapped her phones and they were spying on her. She called the police to help her evict them, but the police couldn't help her with that. And
1: I mean, these people are like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs.
0: So they've got Sante and Kenny in one room and this homeless guy. And then they also had this other guy, Sean Little, move in with them.
1: Oh, my God. Okay,
0: so they're all together.
1: Is Sean in the same room with them?
0: I guess he's with the homeless guy. Okay. So on March 12th, 1998, mm-hmm. David and Leslie, remember his friend, his, his private friend. investigative yep. friend, are having dinner and they're talking about all the stuff going on with Sante. And David was kind of talking about maybe retiring to Florida and maybe moving on with his life, but potentially spilling the beans on all of this stuff with Sante mm. and talking about the forgeries and all that. So probably in an effort, and I'm, I'm assuming that. Kenny and Sante had ways to listen in.
1: Maybe they followed him. Well, also, if
0: they bugged the place, the woman they were renting the house from, I'm sure they had ways to find out that David was potentially going to flip. Right. So in in an effort to protect his mother on March 13th, 1998, Kenny and that other guy, Sean Little, went to David's house late at night. And David must have let Kenny in because his front door was behind a locked gate. So there was no forced entry. Mm -hmm. So it was probably because maybe he knew him. Uh, Right. So eventually this guy, Sean Little, becomes an informant again. Right. And says that he wasn't actually with Kenny and David at the time that David was killed, but he did hear the gunshots. And then he... Wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. I smell a fire coming. (laughs)
0: You'll have to wait and see. When he went to check it out, he saw Kenny standing over David's body with a gun. Mm, Okay. He said that Kenny had shot David in the back of the head. Okay. So now Kenny and Sean Little clean up the house and they put David's body into his own Jaguar. And Kenny drives his car and Sean Little drives David's Jaguar to LAX. That's the Mm -hmm. airport in Los Angeles. Uh And they throw him into a dumpster. Nice. And they also disassembled the gun and dropped it in a storm sewer and they ditched his car near, you know, near LAX. Now I guess they run back to David's house and mysteriously it burns to the ground. There it is. (laughs) Right. Now the creepy ish part of this is so Sean Little then later says on their way back to the place they were renting. To kind of tell Sante that it was the job was done. The job is done, right? Kenny went and bought $100 worth of flowers for his mother and walked in and just gave her a kiss and gave her the flowers. And Sean felt like it was almost Ugh, like, like a
1: look at what I did for you. Look at what
0: I did for you. I'm such a good boy. kind of creepiness. Oh,
1: these people are evil.
0: Now they've murdered David. And
1: I, I lost count of the fires.
0: <laughs> There's at least four that I can grasp quickly. So they've murdered David <sighs> mm-hmm. and they got to get out of town. So they got to get out of get LA. Out of Dodge. Right. So Sante calls this car dealer that her husband, Kenneth had done business with. So she kind of has a good Rapport. history. Right. Okay. She calls him and says that she wants a Lincoln town car with really, really dark tinted windows. And they settled on a used one, teal green. So Sante, the agreement was she would trade in her 1993 Lincoln Mm -hmm. and pay about $15,000, right? So Sante wrote a check for the $15,000 and she gave it to the guy that was delivering the car to her. So it was one of the people that worked for the car dealer. She gave him the check and he goes, you know, gives her the car and then he goes back and they go to deposit the check, but it bounces. Hmm. So what she didn't realize, what she probably thought the money from the mortgage was in her account, but it had been frozen. The accounts had been frozen probably because David's dead. Right. And he's somehow tied to the account. For whatever reason, the accounts were frozen and her check bounced. Mm. So this guy calls her and she was shocked and apologetic and said she would send a new check and she just never did. Uh, It's... So she takes off, right? She's got the nerve at one point, which I find hysterical, is to call this used car guy and ask for a different car because the trunk of this one was leaking.
1: After she basically stole the other car? She
0: basically stole the car. So he's pissed Like, what now. do you say to that? She's potentially pushed him over the edge of understanding at this point, And now he calls a detective friend of his who starts digging into her. Right. Her background and stuff. And then he learns all this crap on her. And Utah puts out a warrant for Sante and Kenny's arrest for this car theft. So when it's all said and done, her screwing up, not knowing that she didn't have the cash available in the account is going to be her downfall.
1: That stupid, you know, kindergarten mistake.
0: Right. After all the crap she's done. After all the
1: crap you've done.
0: This is what's going to get her because...
1: Eventually, stuff catches up with people.
0: The LAPD didn't have enough to arrest her for David's murder. But now Utah has enough to have the warrant for the car theft. So LAPD is making a deal with Utah cuz Utah's like we're not going to chase across the country and try to track this person down for for a, for a car. For a car, $15,000 car. Yeah. And but, the LAPD But LA's
1: got a dead guy.
0: Got a dead guy and they right. want them. They said if we find them, will you guys yeah. arrest them? We'll, I mean, so if LAPD tracks them down and does that work, will Utah arrest them? And then right. they'll Utah have...
1: Utah should do that.
0: So they agree. Okay. And that's what ends up happening. That's what ends up catching up with them. So in New York, when they're outside of that hotel mm-hmm. and they get picked up, it's not for Irene's murder or David's murder. It's right. because it's she the, took off with this car. the car. Right. And I feel like this is a good stopping point for this episode. Okay. Because... Then we'll kind of button it all up in the next episode. Okay. We'll start the next one with a summary, and then we'll finish up the uh, Sante and Kenny Kimes creepiness. It's
1: epic, and there's so many details and so many names, so it's just, you know, you have to kind of go through it slowly because there's there's a lot of... Right. There's a lot of storyline. There's a lot of facts. There's a lot of names. But a lot of it's very repetitive. Right. And I left to be doing the same thing over and over to be doing the same
0: thing. Yeah. And I left a ton out. So there's so much more. There's so many books and TV movies and documentaries and on her. Hmm. But you can't possibly cover everything. So I just kind of tried to narrow it down to what I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I to me, this is crazy because. If you go through the, the timeline, this stuff has been going on since the 70s. Mm-hmm. And we're now getting into the very, very late 90s. Right. The end of the 90s. This is a long time to be committing crimes. And, you know, it's that's uh, it's crazy to me mm-hmm. that they're able to get away with things for so long. So um, we will be back with the conclusion of Sante and Kenny.
0: Yes, thank you, Edmund, for recommending this.
1: Yeah, I like this, Edmund. Shout out to you. Nefarious New York. We out. (laughs)